You have to be the gatekeeper of what is right and what is wrong for your business at the end of the day. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. I am so excited to have my friend Girja on the podcast today. She's another one of my friends from the Reset Conference. I sat in front of her during a a talk that my friend Dawn was giving on AI tools. And Dawn and Girja had connected um, kind of over the topic of AI. Dawn's going to be on the podcast to talk about AI as well. So these are going to be two really good conversations to pair together when it comes to artificial intelligence and how we can use them in, in our businesses and um, the legal implications if they're not used properly. So this conversation isn't meant to cause fear. It's not meant to make you nervous. It's just meant to shed a little bit of light on some of the things that you should be considering if you're using AI in your business, which you should be. AI is a really incredible tool. We talk about that right off the bat. Um, we, we agree that it's a great way to save time and to do the things in your business that you don't want to be doing and make sure that they still get done. But there are things that you need to consider when it comes to AI in your business. So please enjoy this conversation. One of the biggest mistakes I see brand photographers make is sending over galleries that are too heavily focused on photos of their client. You heard me you're probably delivering galleries that have too many photos of your client looking at the camera and smiling. A personal brand photography session is so much more than a gallery of headshots. A good brand session should leave your client with a library of images thoughtfully curated to grow their business. These aren't just pretty photos. They're pretty with a purpose. Brand sessions aren't just a million photos of your client's face, as beautiful as they may be. Galleries should be diverse and showcase not just the person behind the brand, but all the things that make up their business. This is how you create brand sessions that can really be put to work and not just collect dust in the cloud when they change their hairstyle. If you want clients who use their images and sing your praises from the roof, download my ultimate personal brand session shot list. This list covers the 10 images you should be getting at every session plus a bonus concept that will have your clients so thrilled they have to tell all their friends, which means more business referred your way. You can grab the checklist at maddiepashong.com slash shotlist. That's maddiepashong.com slash shotlist. Yerja, thank you so much for being here today on Take It Personally. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so sorry. I literally saw that my 2023 year and I'm like, should I move that? And then we're like, okay, let's start. I am so excited you're here. Any Anything in your background is totally fine. I'm good with whatever. <laughs> I would love to start by you introducing yourself. Let, let us know who you are and what you do. Yeah. Uh, my name is Gerja Bhargav Patel. I am a lawyer here in Houston, Texas. My law practice caters towards small business owners, specifically online business owners, creative entrepreneurs, tech companies, startup companies. Really, um, you know, my business covers from inception to exit all the different things that a business can come in encounter, you know, in the legal world. And so whether it's contracts or whether it's entity formations or whether it's just, Hey, what do I do with all this work product that I'm creating? So IP intellectual property, 
all of that stuff I cover in my practice as services, but then also with the education that I provide. Amazing. So how did you decide to work specifically with small business owners? And it seems like, do you work with a lot of creative small business owners too? I do. And so I feel like the word creative is pretty broad. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that fall under that realm. And I actually realized that when I first went to this conference a long time ago in 2016, and it was a blogger conference. And when you think of blogs, you're thinking, oh, someone is writing on a website that they have, and they're writing their opinions, or they're writing their thoughts, and you're reading them, essentially. But you also don't realize that there's businesses behind the blogs a lot of times. And so each business is unique and each business is not the same. You might have a person running a floral shop who writes about different things, you know, with regards to the blog, or you might have someone who has a catering company, or they actually are an accountant, but they like to do house stuff. So there's so many things that, you know, creative entrepreneurs encompass. So that's where I first, you know, was introduced to the industry and to the amazing people behind the industry as well. And yeah, I, I really do love working with creative entrepreneurs because they, whether you're a photographer, a wedding planner, a graphic designer, or, you know, even if you're in the healthcare industry or like the tech industry, there's just the, there's so much passion behind everyone's business. And so it's really so fulfilling to help someone who's truly loving their business. And then you're just part of their journey. And it's just, it, there's some, there's just a really, I love that experience that I have with my clients. Yeah. I, oh, totally. I love that. And I love what you said about creative being a really broad term. Cause I think that's so true. I think, you know, in order to be a, a woman in business, you have to be pretty creative. <laughs> yeah. And I think in today's world, we're all creatives because social yeah. media is that way. We have to create. We cannot just be sitting. We either have to have a team that's creating for us, or we, if we're the one-man show, then we have to create. So in order to even stay on social media platforms for your marketing purposes, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it is Instagram, Pinterest, Etsy, whatever you're doing, you have to be creative because now you're a marketer, like you're marketing for your business, you know? So it's, it's not just for influencer marketing anymore. Like you could just be what I do. I'm not an influencer, but at the same time, my entire... Instagram account is a pretty creative account with regards Mm -hmm. to what I am developing, which is work product at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what I am really interested in chatting with you about today is AI and the um, kind of legalities behind AI, specifically for photographers, but certainly for creatives in general. And so let's just kind of dive into that. Talk a little bit about like when you first started hearing about AI and how it's kind of made it made its way into the market and, and people are using it a bit more than they were even a couple of years ago. As a legal professional, what were some of your initial thoughts? Yeah, so I I'm fascinated by new technology. I'm fascinated with the way the world is going. I don't think there's anything wrong with AI. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely going to be what the future is and where we are. Now, AI has been around since the 70s, if not a little bit earlier. Yeah. But we just didn't know about it because just right. like the internet and the computer, we didn't have accessibility until much later. And so those things have been around. That technology has been there. It's just not been available to everybody. However, the last few, like 10 years, the last decade or so, we've seen chatbots. We've seen things that are automatically, you know, 
populating your spaces or things that are just like, oh, like you're like, oh, that, that was really cool. How did, how did my phone just hear me? That's all AI stuff. All of that is, you know, AI that companies have been using, whether it's their secret sauce that they've been using or things that they just had access to because they had more money. But now with the chat GPT literally made AI available to everybody. It was like the aha moment for the world. And, you know, initially when anything new comes, people get nervous. They're like, oh my gosh, it's going to take my job. Oh my gosh, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. But I mean, if you think about it, just like how we had before everything was done by hand, there was a horse and carriage. There was somebody who was driving the horse and carriage. And then you got a car or you got factories to create, you know, cars or to make work more streamlined. That didn't take away jobs. It just replaced the mundane stuff that was extra cost, extra, it would, you know, it took away the lack of productivity. So it made work more productive. It made it more efficient, more streamlined, but it still created new jobs. Now, if you see with ChatGPT, you see all these people, new, uh, you know, accounts and everything coming out with. What are the prompts? Here are the prompts, you know, like, so you develop new jobs as technology comes. It's not like it's taking away jobs, but new doors are opening for new spaces. Yeah. I, I want to like <laughs> double click on everything you just said, because <laughs> I see so much fear when it comes to AI and the, you know, taking away of jobs and people are, I was just looking at a thread on Instagram or Facebook this morning, a really like big photographer. Uh, was talking about uh, Imagine, which I believe is like an editor. And people were commenting and just ab absolutely freaking out. Like they were either like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I am going to save so much time and I can book more clients. Or it was worst case scenario, we're all going to lose our jobs. Like this, is it's over. And I just don't think that the latter is true at all. I think that it opens up really cool opportunities when used properly. I agree. And honestly, like if you're not in the in that industry, you don't know anything about that tool out there, FYI. Totally. Unless it becomes like a Canva. Even then, when you're using Canva, it's like I cannot make a trademark thing on Canva because Canva's terms of use have directly said you cannot create anything and make it a trademark. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot apply for the USPTO trademark from it. And so similarly, even with Imagine or these other types of software, there are limitations. There's limitation to the creativity and then what that translates into with regards to ownership. And that's something that everybody needs to understand. Now, it's kind of going back to Imagine, I think is like a editor, yeah, uh, the AI smart editor situation, right? I mean, we've been using Photoshop for a while. People have been using Photoshop. Photoshop's been around for so long. People don't know how to use it unless you know how to use it. You right. have to be trained. And even then it's such a, it's such a little... Um, it's a market that not everybody knows about in the sense of the knowledge behind the usage of that tool. Similarly, imagines the same way. Now, what if you're like, oh, I take, I, I'm a photographer, but now I'm outsourcing my work to ABCD. Are you losing jobs because of that? No, you're just making your work more productive. Here, you're just using a software instead of a human to replace that. And so, I mean, don't be scared. Just understand that software and start using it and become an expert in it eventually. And so it's like, that's my totally. <laughs> yes. I love that. So what do you feel like has the big, we're, we'll get into the legalities next, but first I want to ask you 
What do you feel like are the biggest opportunities for photographers, for creatives when it comes to AI software? Are there any AI softwares that you have seen? We've talked about ChatGPT, Imagine, um, Aftershoot is another one that's a culling software. Are there any softwares that you see where you're like, oh gosh, yeah, like there's a lot of opportunity here. And then we'll talk about the legal side of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I can't pinpoint to any one particular one, uh, but there's so many tools out there within everybody's industry and they're not cheap. They're going to cost money. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. So just kind of like piggybacking on the whole fear, fear factor, right? Yeah. Everything costs money and not everyone has the money to spend in order to use that particular software or product. So that's one reason why you're not losing your job. Another reason is that you need the human factor and the human touch to everything that you're doing. And AI cannot replace that. But what AI can replace and make your business a little bit better is to streamline it, to increase the productivity in areas that A, you hate doing in your business. You find zero interest to do in your business. In fact, those things are the reasons why you maybe you don't want to go to your desk every single day. Mm-hmm. Give it away to somebody. Give it away to the AI tools out there. You know, If you can, give it away to the AI tools. Honestly, I use ChatGPT sometimes too. As a lawyer, I use it and I use it for, I need to create a letter and I don't want to put my brain on it. Give me four versions and I'm going to cut and paste and copy and create my own. And so there's nothing wrong with it. You're just streamlining the spaces that you are permitted to streamline. However, the caution that I put out there is that if you intend to purport something to be yours, but you're actually using AI, but you claim it to be, this is mine, my creativity, my everything, then there needs to be transparency there. And Mm. especially if you're creating work product that ultimately your clients are going to be using as their own for their brand, or they're later on going to say, stake a claim of ownership on it, then you have to show and tell them, these are the areas that I used 100% AI on. These are the areas where I you know, took some advice from AI, but it actually made it my own. So plagiarism versus paraphrasing, you know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of where, where it's at. So can you talk through specifically how that would work for someone who's using an aftershoot to call their images or an imagine to edit their images? It's not a hundred percent the work product of AI, but AI definitely had influence. What does that look like if you're a photographer and maybe even the different types of photographer, wedding versus brand? Yeah. How do you have to address that? Yeah. So as a photographer, you know, a lot, first of all, there's such a misnomer out there because a lot of people don't know this if you're not in the photography world, or if you're not, even if you're a lawyer, sometimes you just don't know this is the fact that a photographer's work product is the photographs, their work, that's their work product. And just because you're taking somebody, you have a client whose pictures are being taken doesn't mean that they automatically own that product. However, the client assumes that by the way. And they're like, well, it's mine. Why, why, why don't, why can't I do whatever I want with it? Yep. So, and it's, it's, it's hard to understand, right? Because you're just like, but I'm in that picture. I just paid you to take those pictures. Why is it not mine? But it's truly like going to the record store and buying a DVD of music. That DVD is yours, but not the music. The music is owned by the person who created it. And so the same thing, the picture, that actual photograph or the image you can use, but the actual product, the work product behind it is owned by the photographer. And so ultimately, you know, depending on what your client is doing and hiring you for, say you have a wedding client or a newborn shoot. I mean, those, those people are generally using it for their personal reasons. They're not using it 
for any other reason. Now, you might have a celebrity or somebody who is a local celebrity and they're like, I need you to do my photography, but I have to own everything because I'm going to be using this in, you know, magazines and photo shoots and things like that. And they, they might ask you to have that as a requirement where you're transferring all the ownership of that photograph to them. And that's the conversation that you need to see if it works with you, if it's worth it, and it aligns with your business and how you do it. Similarly, if you're a brand photographer, your clients might want to own every single photograph because they want to use it in, it's their branding. It's part of their brand and they want to use it in whichever way that they feel is important to use it for their business. And so they may say, I need to own all the ownership to this. But if you're doing like wedding photography, newborn or senior pictures or things like that, or you're just going to someone's 16th birthday party, that may not be a thing. And now you're Mm -hmm. licensing that product to them where they can use it for their personal or editorial reasons, but nothing outside where it's commercially used, where they're making money off of it. And so those distinguishments need to be there. So you understand where you lie on the side of the fence, where Mm -hmm. you are, and then also an understanding with your client. Now, with regards to like editing, culling, culling is what you're taking out the pictures and you're just saying, okay, this is what's good. This is bad. Dude, use AI all day long. It just doesn't matter. Agreed. Agreed. Does not impact ownership whatsoever for the most part, unless there's something very unique about what you're doing. I, you know, generally you're fine. Now, with regards to editing, if editing is minor editing, it's kind of like doing touch-ups, it's like Photoshop. It's totally fine. But if you're doing something where you're absolutely changing someone's image completely or just really making it artsy at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you or your client cannot claim ownership to that most likely because at the end of the day, that's AI work product, right? Because now it's like a total transformation from what you created and it's into something different. And if it's art form, so you can't claim stake of ownership on it generally because with the US copyright laws, Anything that's AI generated cannot be protected by copyright. However, if it's human generated, it can be protected by copyright. So you just have to kind of see like what the level of transformation is and also what that relationship is, right? If if someone's like, hey, I want to, even if you're a photographer, like an art photographer, and you're using a subject matter and you're taking a photograph of them, but then you take it and put it into a AI software that completely transforms that image into art form, and then you put it in an art exhibit, you can't claim ownership of that. It's not going to, like, you can't claim ownership of the copyright in it. And so even though you might be behind the workings of the, how much this is happening, how much that is happening, that's an argument. But at the end of the day, if it's totally AI generated and it's workings of the AI mind, then it's not yours. That's really helpful. And actually, I I hope that people listening kind of breathe a sigh of relief after that, because I feel like for the most part, the average photographer, at least who listens to this podcast, they're going to be using it for culling. They're going to be using it for like color correcting editing. They're not going to be, you know, turning a person into a horse or something like that using an AI software. And so with that being likely the capacity in which they're using AI, it sounds like, okay, like you're, you're pretty solid. You can use this to make your life a little easier and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was at the reset conference last year with you and that's how we met. Yes. Yes. And I was sitting in one of the AI conversations and this was just about AI tools and it was a great conversation. And there was definitely a full packed room 
And in that room, uh, one of the photographers said, but it's mine. Like, why can't I claim ownership of it? And it was literally using the software to do a complete edit over it to where it kind of took away from the original image. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's yours, but it's not yours. And so it's a really gray matter. And you kind of have to like see, uh, you know, there's no exact answer unless you're actually looking at it and you're trying to determine. And again, the copyright office is pretty subjective and they're the mm -hmm. ones making the final decisions. I love what you said about it's similar to if you take a photo of someone and the person says, well, that's my photo. Like this is kind of the same conversation that's happening with photographers and AI. Like it's, yeah. it's not though. It's more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great analogy. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, AI is lovely. I mean, I, I don't want to put fear in people. It shouldn't mm -hmm. be a fear factor at all. Because at the end of the day, it's there to help you. It's there to make life easier. AI, you know, people, companies use it to generate a lot of information about people. And that's like their real easy way of creating market research without having to actually send out, um, yeah. you know, forms and uh, evaluate, and, you know, like evaluations and things like that. It's just a great way for them to use the internet to collect people's information. I would though, I don't know if, I, and I don't know if this is out there. Um, is there a AI photography community where people are exchanging information on it, but actually work product or like a tool that's completely like transferring images? Is there something like that out there? I don't think so. No. So I, we were talking before I hit record that um, our friend Dawn with Tech Savvy Creative who talked at Reset about AI tools. I'll have her on the podcast as well. And she would maybe know because she's very in tune with the, the tools that are out there. But as far as I know, I don't think that that is something that exists. Yeah. I would I would just say one thing. It's a, a cautionary thing for everybody, regardless of whether you're going to an AI community or not. If you are going any into any type of using any type of software or any type of shared community platforms, please read the terms and conditions of mm -hmm. that platform. Because they will literally dictate what you can or cannot do with the work product that's being shared. And also, if you're using somebody else's work product, whether it's the platforms or somebody else in the community, then there will be limitations on that too. So don't get into this like pitfall without knowing what you can or cannot do with it. Even with like software out there, you know, like Imagine and stuff. I think with Imagine, I remember reading the terms and conditions on there. And it's dictated by uh, laws in Israel. I'm mean, like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying like, you can't do anything here about it anyways. I mean, you could, you can definitely take them to court here because they're like, you know, putting their software out here, but that's also going to be an extra argument <laughs> in addition to everything else that's happening. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Just that, that's a really good thing to be aware of. That's such a good point. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I know you said that you don't want to cause fear when it comes to AI, but I do want to just kind of um, talk a little bit about some of the like legal consequences that people could be dealing with if it's not used properly. And I mm -hmm. think that that conversation tends to come up the most or should come up the most when we talk about ChatGPT. So would love to chat about this. I have definitely noticed, I so I run a coaching program and oftentimes one of the things that those photographers are really struggling with is creating content. And so I have um, done a training on like, okay, here's how we can use ChatGPT as like a jumping off point and help you start ideating on content. 
And I I try to be so explicit about the fact that like, if you're at, if you're using prompts or you're asking for something really specific, this is not a copy paste situation with what chat GPT gives you. And I feel like people maybe aren't taking that seriously because I have scrolled social media so many times and read captions and I am like, oh, that is, that is a robot. (laughs) Like you did not write that. Please, please talk about this. What are your thoughts on ChatGPT and some of the ways that it's being used right now? Yeah. So ChatGPT or other equivalent types of software that's out there, you know, truly we need to be one, using them for areas that don't require us to think about ownership, really, you know, with regards to intellectual property. So if we're creating content and this content is just like a simple caption and you're just like, I just need an idea for this caption. Okay. Totally. Go to ChatGPT and have it create a caption for you because it's most likely not going to be material to the overall business that you have. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's okay. However, caution is that the more you use ChatGPT though, and the more other people use it for the same thing, you're going to have a lot of same things out there and you're not going to stand out anymore. And your mind is not going to be thinking in that process. So you're going to lose a lot of your authentic voice for your platforms, because now you're using a robot to create your voice. And yes, you can prompt it to say certain things in a certain way. And all that good stuff can happen. However, it's still not your voice and your voice is yours. Your mind is yours. No robot can come in there and figure it out. And so with the algorithms and then also with uh, SEO and things like that, using stuff that a lot of other people are using will start getting flagged and you're going to lose that SEO there. If you have an advantage, you're going to lose that entire, the, you know, you coming up and popping up because everybody's popping up for that now. And so with chat GPT and other platforms like that, at the end of the day, AI is just scraping like for chat GPT is just scraping the internet and collecting information and then aggregating it and then regurgitating it. That's all it's doing. It's not creating anything new. And at the end of the day, whatever the software creator has put in as input is what's coming into your output. And so if their input is biased or if their input is not complete, then your output's going to be the same way. It's not going to be a thorough investigation of what's going on. There's a lot of lawyers out there that have initially, you know, did, oh, let me do some legal research on ChatGPT. Well, guess what? ChatGPT has a habit of hallucinating also, and it creates stuff that does not exist because all of a sudden they're reading this sentence, it's reading this sentence. It's like, that sounds great. Let me put this together and make it something when it doesn't exist. And so going back and, you know, fact checking and making sure there's authenticity and what you're saying, there's efficacy to it because ultimately your voice, your platform is a representation of you and your business. And it also is your um, goodwill that you're putting out there. So you don't want to undermine all the good stuff you've done by losing your credibility because you're just now solely depending on AI to create it for you. Such good stuff. I, I appreciate you talking about the infringing on like someone else's intellectual property because of the way that AI scrapes yeah. the internet. Like that's something that I've always wondered about because it's like, well, where where is it coming up with this information? It has to come from somewhere. And so I've been concerned about that if that's something that we should be worried about. No, you're so right. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's so true. Um, you know, what I was kind of talking about is like some basic business ethics. And now to actually cross over to the legal consequences that we would have, 
one number one thing that you need to worry about is infringement, is copyright mm. infringement on somebody else's already created information. Now with ChatGPT, what they've done is, again, read the fine lines, because quite frankly, we've all given, all of my information has been given to ChatGPT and now they use it. <laughs> so it's like, every time you ask a question, they're putting it into their stuff too, by the way. And so, you know, if you do a direct copy paste all the time, aside from losing your voice and aside mm -hmm. from losing the SEO and all that stuff, you also are in a space where you unknowingly, knowingly are infringing on somebody else's copyright, meaning their stuff. They've already created this content. And so it could be labeled as plagiarism. It could be labeled as, you know, copyright infringement. There's a lot of things that you can label that as. And even with trademarks, say like, you're like, oh, create, create something for me, you know, whatever. If you're going onto some other platform, you could, you know, even with Canva, you're not allowed to create a logo that later on you want to use as a trademark because they're also scraping from a lot of other people's ideas. And Canva is filled with other people's designs. Yeah. Now, whatever their, you know, relationship is with the person that's providing that information, ultimately they either A, own it and they're just licensing it to you as a user of Canva. And so it's really important to make sure that you are not infringing on somebody else's copyright, that you also are not invading someone's privacy in the whole thought process also while you are creating content. And, you know, the biggest thing is like people are copy pasting all the time on Instagram. And now how can you claim it to be yours if it's not even yours from the beginning? Yeah, totally. So what are some ways that we can use it that is above board from a legal perspective and helpful from like a brand building perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, definitely use it for inspiration. And I know like it's, that's like such a tag word these days, like inspiration, but truly that's what it is, right? Yeah. Back in the day when we used to read encyclopedia for our research papers, that was inspiration because the minute we started copy pasting, our professors knew we were doing that, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. so, and so use it, but use your words and use the thesaurus and create new words. Like, I mean, go back to old school stuff because that's truly works. It's always worked. And that's the way to keep your voice there too, right? Your thought process, the way it's putting it together, the flow of the thought also, that needs your mind, your brain, not robot. Robot can, like you can put in the input, you can put in the, um, you know, uh, the topics and whatever things that you want, but let it come out, but then like read it and then translate it into your own space. Give yourself a pause, come back to it, read it again, and then give your you know, rewrite it for yourself if you need to. Again, those are for things that, you know, where you would want to maybe say, I need to own this, whether it is a, say you're creating a course and it's verbiage for the course, you know, maybe yes, then you want to make sure it's your voice. Now say if it's just like an email or something that you're just, you know, draft like an SOP that you're drafting for your business or, um, you know, what are some topics that I need to, those are different things. And it's okay to just do like a copy paste for yourself. Because really, it's for you, it's for your internal purposes. Anything that's external and that's material to business ownership, your credibility in the uh, industry, you want to be very careful. Like you have to be the gatekeeper of what is right and what is wrong for your business at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so great. Yeah. Thank you. This This was such a wonderful conversation. I feel like we really touched on um, all the things that people are really concerned about right now, you know, like wanting to wanting to use this the right way and 
use it to make their lives a little bit easier, but also the nervousness of, is this going to take away my job or am I going to get in legal trouble and how can I make sure that I'm not? So thank you. This was wonderful. Of course. I'm so happy. Like, I mean, I know that since it's been around, there's been so many discussions in every industry about it. And I had this one, I went to this one uh, place here in Houston and this lady gave the best analogy. She's like, when dishwashers came around, people thought they're going to lose their jobs to dishwashers. But truly, there's somebody that still has to put the dishes in the dishwasher. And that's exactly it, right? We still have to put the dishes in there and we still have to tell it which way we want it to be washed and then turn it on. And, you know, it's that like applied to AI. You still need the human touch to make it work. You do. Yeah. And you still need your human touch in your business so that your business reflects you 100% the way you want it to. Yeah. Oh, so much of AI seems to be how the pe- how people are using it. Like the yeah. the prompts that they the language that they're using and how they're asking questions or how they're using the software. And that's not going to change. Like people might get better at that, you know, and like you said there might be jobs created from that actually, but we still need yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's the prompts that you're putting in. And I know it's just, like, it's just so funny to me that sometimes like AI just comes out and a week later you have experts in prompting. Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> I don't understand that. But, yeah. um, but you know, the idea is that you know your business the best and experiment with it, see what works best for you. Also have a lot of transparency. You know, if you're a photographer and you're predominantly using only AI to create whatever your work product is, then you have to show transparency there. Because if you don't, you'll get caught eventually and it'll be so bad for you. And I think my biggest concern would be losing my credibility in my industry. Agreed. That would would be the biggest concern over all the monetary issues that might happen, all the other things that might happen. Yeah. The impact on reputation, I think is a really, really big risk. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes transparency just even looks like Hey, this is what I use for my tools. If there's something that you don't want me to use, let me know if if that's what you do in your business, right? And um, have it in your contracts also. Have like if it's, you know, especially if you're doing brand photography or anything where you know that your clients will ultimately want to own that work product and use it in such a way where they might want to later put a copyright stamp on it or trademark stamp on it, then you have to give that transparency within the contract as well. Mm -hmm. Yerja, thank you so much for being here today. Tell everyone where they can find you, follow you. Yeah, all let's things. be friends. I love to connect with everybody on Instagram and I'm also on LinkedIn. It's at GB as in boy, P as in Peter Law. And so it's at GBP Law. And then I also, you know, my website is literally gbplaw.com. I have, uh, you know, different types of services out there, but I, my best and most favorite one is subscription legal services that I offer. And it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, I like to have fun with my clients, but at the same time, I really want to be a partner in your journey. And so I just try to make law accessible and digestible for you. I love it. Thank you so much. We'll link to everything in the show notes as well. Yes. Thank you so much for being here today.
Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.